And good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I can't tell where that is between headphones and... There it is. I think it's there. Um, hi, hi, hi. We had a... Uh, what a night. What a night. I apologize. I think my voice is okay again, but if if I do go through any struggles this morning, I can't blame the allergies any longer. It's definitely just that I belted out every word of every effing song last night that Paul McCartney played. I know a lot of you heard me bitching about how much money uh, we had to pay in order to get these tickets. And look, I, it's it's insane. It's it's bonkers and it's it's unsustainable. Um, where we are economically at the moment in this country. But Jesus, there is not a number that it wouldn't have been worth last night for that experience. What an incredible night in our city. Uh, what an amazing night at the ballpark. Um, glad the Orioles made the decision a few years ago to start doing concerts. I have heard some rumors that perhaps another one is on the way. About all I can say about that. Um, be a big deal. It would be another very big deal for our city. Just a just a magical, magical evening at Camden Yards. And uh, my God, Paul McCartney he turns eighty years old this week and played for two and a half hours and held up and sounded great. And ah, oh, just a special, special evening. So glad I was able to be part of it. Uh, glad that I'm here. And we got a lot to do on the program today. A little bit later on this hour, we're gonna hug it out. My old friend Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN is going to check in with us. He was over in London last week uh, trying to give some context to and make some sense of the inaugural Live Golf event. Of course, funded. It's the uh, the golf arm of the Saudi Arabian government as they attempt to sports wash themselves. And Kevin was grilling golfers about participating in such a thing and you know it's it is a fascinating time for that sport obviously as you guys know it's not my sport I'm not a golf person at all although when I saw it was unfolding yesterday I uh, happened to be at a local establishment before the concert last night and I found myself looking up and and watching that scene unfold with Roy McIlroy winning the Canadian Open and kind of Giving the middle finger to Greg Norman as he did, it was uh, it was that was quite fascinating. U.S. Open coming up this week. We'll talk to Kevin about all that. Uh, Going to try to get an NBA Finals preview in at some point during the course of the morning. As Game Five is tonight out in San Francisco with the series tied up at two games apiece. We know we'll be talking about that with our friend Jeremy Kahn, who checks in with us every Monday from 105.7 The Fan. That's coming up at about 11:30. So all that on tap here today on GCR. Today's show brought to you by Glory Days Grill. This is it. I mean, literally final days. Last chance for you to take advantage of the spring seasonal menu at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. And I know I said that once before and they extended it, but I have been told no uncertain terms it ain't happening again. So if you haven't gotten it, you need to get there ASAP. Today would be my suggestion. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Get your order in. Stop by your neighborhood at Glory Days Grill. Orioles uh, take the last two of the four-game set from the Royals over the weekend. That was pleasant. Clearly, that's not the big story today. That's second fiddle to the statement that was made by John Angelos this morning. 
yesterday uh, on 105.7 The Fan, Rita and I had an entire conversation. And I had said that I have understood over the years why it is that when these kind of silly rumors pop up, the Orioles have not necessarily felt the need to say anything about them because there was no reason to give them any amount of credence. But I did think that at this point, it, it was time. It was time to step up and meet your fans in the middle and essentially say, look, we get it. We know it's really difficult to be an Orioles fan, and it's been difficult to be an Orioles fan for some time. So we want to come meet you in the middle. And we want to help you out because we know how tough it is to be an Orioles fan. The statement from John Angelos. It's lengthy. As I've said before, as long as Fort McHenry is standing watch over the Inner Harbor, the Orioles will remain in Baltimore. My mother was born and raised in Northeast Baltimore, attended city public schools at Eastern High School, and has worked with my father their entire lives to help the city including by restoring the club to local ownership and preventing its relocation. For them, as for me, the Orioles will forever play at Oriole Park, and at no time ever have we contemplated anything different. Since I was appointed chairman and CEO, according to my parents' expressed wishes, and voted as the control person for the team by the 30 major league clubs, I have taken significant steps to ensure that our beloved franchise future remains in Charm City. Just two months ago, we celebrated the Maryland General Assembly passing a bill promising to put $1.2 billion into reinvesting and reimagining the Camden Yards Sports Complex, which includes Oriole Park, ensuring the team will continue to play right here in downtown Baltimore for generations to come. Maryland is committed to keeping our team in this great state, and I am equally committed to keeping the Orioles at the heart of our state. As stewards of, quote, the ballpark that forever changed baseball, unquote, we will continue to strengthen our community, generate another $10 billion in economic impact for the city of Baltimore and state of Maryland, and welcome another 70 million people to downtown Baltimore over the next 30 years and beyond. There is nothing uncertain about the future of the Baltimore Orioles. I want to assure our Orioles players and coaches, our dedicated front office senior leadership team and staff, and our devoted fans, trusted partners, elected, elected civic, and nonprofit leaders, and our entire community that the Orioles will never leave. From 33rd Street to Camden Yards, the Birds of Baltimore, the iconic team of Brooks, Earl, Jim, Frank, Callan, Eddie, will forever remain in the only city that our family and our partnership group has called or will ever call home the finest city and birthplace of our national anthem of which we are enduringly proud and to which we are forever committed. Um, you know, however, however you slice it, whatever you feel about it, you can't shake the strength of that statement. There's not a lot of uncertainty that's left behind that statement. There's nothing vague in there. There's no... That is about as strong of a statement as can be made. I have seen people attempt to nitpick and say things like, well, you know, he should have done an interview or something like that. Sure, I look, I love for as much trans transparency as possible. I am always going to be in favor of transparency. I do believe it is a bit awkward when a lawsuit is involved, because I'm not sure exactly what you are allowed to say and what you aren't allowed to say. And I know that a lot of people in the midst 
of lawsuits don't do as many kind of full, wide-ranging interviews because they can be limited in how it is that they respond. There was another nitpicky response that I saw from people this morning, which was, well, you're not really, you're not really answering anything about the lawsuit itself. That's true. That's true. I don't think that was the part that necessarily impacted the average Orioles fan. I write today at PressBoxOnline.com. I don't know when it's going to post because we had to update it after we found out about the statement from John Angelos. I write today at PressBoxOnline.com about this situation and acknowledge, I write it in the context of a question that I was asked last Thursday night. Thursday night, after the news broke of the lawsuit, I had someone I know who's been a longtime listener say to me, are you worried? And it was very simplistic the way that he asked the question because I knew what he was asking. Uh, This was someone named Ed, who I like. Ed was asking, are you worried about the team leaving Baltimore? Because overwhelmingly, That's what people cared about. That one line in the lawsuit that we talked about on Friday that was bombastic and purposefully crafted in order to generate strong emotion and reaction from the fan base to get the fan base to say, how dare you? And be inclined to want to side with Lou instead of with John. But there were 49 pages in the lawsuit And I admittedly did not get the opportunity to read every word verbatim. But one, I trusted Justin Fenton who had. And two, I did go back through and skim looking for certain words. Anything related to move, relocation, relocate, Nashville, Tennessee, anything along those lines. And Justin is correct. There is absolutely nothing else in 49 pages of Angelo's family dirty laundry where any suggestion is made, any accusation whatsoever that John Angelos was considering moving the team or is exploring moving the team or had talked about moving the team or anything along those lines. 49 pages of putting all of the business out that you possibly can put out, and there's not a single hint of a suggestion that that was occurring. Now, to be clear, I was also not worried about the team moving, even if for whatever reason John Angelos had considered it at some point, Major League Baseball was not letting the Baltimore Orioles move. The last time... an owner was allowed to move a Major League Baseball team was the Washington Senators moving to Texas. The Expos, as you'll remember, were owned by Major League Baseball. In an untenable situation where a solution had to be found because Major League Baseball could not continue to prop up one of its own clubs. It doesn't work for the sake of competition. You move a franchise because you've exhausted your options. Because you've attempted to get a facility 
solved, and you can't. Somebody might say, hey, Stan Kroenke did not exhaust all of his options in St. Louis. He just found a much more desirable one in Los Angeles. And that cost the NFL $800 million. Nashville's a nice market. Don't get me wrong. I like it too. But it's actually a smaller media market than Baltimore. Major League Baseball is not so desirous of making sure there's a team in Nashville that they're going to pay out $800 million to relocate. Not that I'm suggesting that Baltimore win a similar lawsuit. I don't know, you know the, the legalese of Major League Baseball relocation contracts, but you get the point. The Los Angeles situation was quite unique. The Chargers, it was untenable. They couldn't stay in that stadium in San Diego. That was impossible. They couldn't do it. They had to move. They had to get somewhere else. Now, maybe San Diego ultimately would have gotten the job done. And this goes back to cities that don't want to... A lot of people don't like it that $1.2 billion worth of money might go towards the city stadiums because money shouldn't be spent that way. I understand, but that's the business. The business is, if you don't give it to us, we're going to get it somewhere else. And Maryland, the state of Maryland, stepped up, said we get it. The economic impact of making sure that we keep professional sports teams downtown is so overwhelming that it's worth it. You don't move that franchise. That's not a franchise that gets moved. And there is no positive, legitimate evidence whatsoever, including in 50 pages of dirty laundry from the Angelos family that suggests that this was ever going to happen. And it's followed up by a damn strong statement from John Angelos. Now look, somebody's going to point out that Robert Ursay made plenty of statements before ultimately moving the Baltimore Colts. I get it. I get it. Words are as valuable as words. At some point, a new lease needs to be reached. There needs to be a long-term agreement put into place between the state and the ball club in order to completely put everyone's minds at rest. I understand that. But there has never been a practical reason to believe that the Orioles were going to move to Nashville. It's been rumor, innuendo, whatever you want to call it, hyperbole, I I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that's existed for some time. And because the Orioles have had issues when it comes to leadership, it's sort of played into the fears of the fan base. But it doesn't mean that I'm not worried. And it doesn't mean that I don't have concerns related to the lawsuit. And I addressed some of those on Friday's show. When Stan the Fan was in here on Friday, I talked about not knowing how something like this would impact the ability for the Orioles to spend some money, say, this offseason. That's what Jim Bowden said. Jim Bowden said this is the offseason where the Orioles need to spend money. We saw Adley Rutschman come to life a little bit this weekend. You'd like to believe that continues? You'd like to believe he continues to develop into the player that we all think he's capable of being. The lineup 
itself is quite promising. Talent is coming. Kyle Stowers might make his debut this week in Toronto. He is traveling with the team as part of the taxi squad because we're going to find out. Maybe we already have. I don't think we have. I haven't seen it yet. But we're going to find out which players decided they didn't need to get vaccinated. And look, I I don't think that's the right way to go about having Kyle Stowers debut. And it's certainly not a guarantee that he will. Just because he's there, it doesn't mean he's going to play. But the thought is that he could be part of the solution. And there's a lot of positives for this franchise, but they desperately need more pitching. We're not going to be able to go into next year confident about Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, or John Means being major league pitchers. We have belief that when Grayson Rodriguez gets back, he could become one. D.L. Hall certainly has the talent that he could become one. And we know that John Means, when healthy, is capable of being a very good one. But none of the three are going to be boxes we're going to be fully confident in checking. The Orioles could use pitching and this offseason is the time to finally say look we're not going to spend 300 million dollars but it's time to spend some money to sign a pitcher or two in order to help this group take the next step towards contention to at least being more competitive which isn't to say they haven't been Semi-competitive so far, but they're on pace for about 70 wins. Giving this group the best chance to be competitive moving forward involves the need to sign a pitcher or two. This is the offseason to do it. And this lawsuit is so complicated that I nor the first few folks that I have talked to can get much of a feel as to whether or not they'll still be in place to be able to spend that money. And so, yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried that the lawsuit can impact the timeline in relation to the rebuild. I hope it doesn't. I hope that that's not the case. I hope that this thing gets solved fairly quickly I hope that even if the lawsuit itself drags out, the Orioles as a franchise are able to operate. They made a lot of money last night. I know that. Mine alone was significant. I don't know how much they got, how much Paul McCartney got. I don't know. Made a lot of money. I hope they can do that. But I'm worried. And that... Essentially, as always, what I do on Mondays, I give away my column. That's essentially what I'm writing today at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm worried, but not for the reasons that you're worried. That has always been a bit ridiculous. Absurd, even. I mean, I, I always try to be careful about this. We always have to keep our guard up because anything's possible. And no one in Cleveland thought the Browns were moving but they also weren't making sure that they took care of the stadium and doing what they needed to do to keep the Browns long-term. They just sort of took it for granted. That's not the case here. There's no good parallel to be found 
for a franchise like the Baltimore Orioles moving. You can't find it. A a proud franchise playing in a phenomenal facility with a fan base that has proven that it will be there at any moment when you decide that you want to be competitive. Yes, it's unique that there's another franchise 40 miles away in a bigger market. That's that's unique and not the most desirable scenario necessarily. But you can't find the example of a franchise like this, as healthy as this one should be, for anything other than their own misgivings, relocating. That's not the way this works. The Charlotte Hornets maybe would be the closest, but they needed a new building at that point. And they certainly didn't have the history of the Orioles. They just had to happen to have sort of a, a phenomenon where they were quite popular um, in their early existence in Charlotte. That's that's my that's my deal. That's my thoughts. That's my take. You'll find it today at pressboxonline.com. I'm not worried about the future of the Orioles, and I greatly do. I do appreciate this being as direct as it is. Of course, words mean about as much as the internet they're printed on. But that's about as strong a statement as you can possibly make given the circumstances. Now, the next question is just, when are we going to get around to getting that lease figured out? So that way we can utterly and completely put this thing to bed. Um, Lamar Jackson is here. Marlon Humphreys tweeted out a video. We saw Lamar uh, on his on a jet of some sort arriving. He's in Baltimore. He will apparently be participating in minicamp this week, which is another thing we kind of expected. I mean, honestly, I, I did not have much doubt that he was going to show up because it, it would be weird based on the things that we think we know for him to not show up. And I don't care now. As long as he's here this week and there's no bigger rift between he and the Baltimore Ravens that would risk him not being there for training camp or some sort of holdout, all's good. We move on to the next problem, which is why isn't Lamar more pressed about getting a deal done? But that's his issue. It's not the Ravens' issue for 2022. They'll take the practice field tomorrow. Lamar Jackson will be part of that mandatory minicamp. Obla di obla da, as I, I heard an uh, elderly gentleman sing to me last night. I feel like that's that's what we needed to cover at the top. We will get into the um, NBA Finals here in a bit. We will talk about that, and um, I got more. I got, and I've seen a few of you chime in with some different things. Well, well, I got other things we'll cover during the course of the morning. All right, today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Tonight... Game five of the finals, Thursday night for game six. The best place to be to try to cash in on Robert Williams, who hit the over on blocks again on Friday night. I haven't double-checked. I should probably do that. I can't. There's no way. There's no way they keep not moving the number, right? No way they keep leaving it alone. Game five tonight. 
back in San Francisco. What they have been doing is they're just moving the the, the, the line, right, the line, like it correct? Itself, but it's making it's it still probably minus two hundred at this. Yeah, point. but it still seems like free money, even yeah. if the even if the player player defense, player defense. But we will be able to talk to Walt Williams later oh, in the okay. second hour Good. about the Good. NBA like, finals like time. Walt Williams. Nope, they finally moved the number. They finally caught up to it. Two and a half. Uh. They finally moved the number to two and a half for tonight. I'd have to think about it a little bit more now at two and a half. I'd have to give it a little bit more because some of those numbers have been exactly two, but I might still. But you know he's going to get those two by the first quarter, so you're just going to be That's true, and sitting. and it completely changes the odds because now it's plus 142 for it to go over two and a half. <sighs> Got to think about it. Got to think about it. But if you're looking for somewhere to go and put in all of your bets for tonight's game, the FanDuel Sportsbook is the place to be in Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now if you want to reserve your spot. Our friend Kevin Van Valkenburg is going to join us next after he's gotten back from uh, a week in London. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match. July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, be more. Orioles 2022 Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite kicks off Friday, June 17th with Flo Rider. After the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays, stay for the post-game concert and watch Flo Rider perform live from the infield. The concert is free to all fans who attend the game, with the option to add special on-field access. With hit singles like My House and his latest single, Wait, what better way to watch Flo Rider perform live at Camden Yards on June 17th? Buy tickets now at Orioles.com slash music. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Kronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. 
Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Later tonight, Stan the Fan Charles Ross Grimsley will be with you on Facebook Live. Their guest tonight, former Hall of Fame president Jeff Idelson, and uh, longtime sports photographer Gene Fruth. They have a uh, new book out. Um, it's very interesting. And uh, Stan and Ross are going to talk to them about that here a little bit later on this evening. 7 o'clock is when they'll be doing that. And uh, if you miss it live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, you can watch it tomorrow, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video is where you find it. Um, yeah, as Rita pointed out, this is exactly the statement from the Orioles. This is exactly what we asked for on the show yesterday. And I am I'm appreciative of it. I am, as I say. Even if every time a Nashville rumor has come up. It has been utterly and completely fabricated. It's been tough being an Orioles fan. It's been a a difficult stretch of five, six years trying to be an Orioles fan. And I appreciate them taking the extra step to try to acknowledge that and make it a bit less difficult to be an Orioles fan. Hey, Whatever else is going on, you don't need to deal with this. I appreciate that. There are other things that need to be done. This doesn't solve everything. This does not complete the rebuild. You don't throw a parade for a statement, but it's the right thing to do, and and I, I give them credit for that. Now move on to the next few things, like a lease and you know signing some players and getting your infighting within the family sorted out, and so there's a direction for the franchise moving forward. Those are the things that now matter, but in a small way, something like this does matter. Don't let this continue to hang. Address it. Be aggressive. Those are the right things to do. I always love my conversations with our next guest, a longtime friend of mine. Uh, He was over in London and, you know, trying to give context to and in a way, hold folks accountable for the first live golf event that occurred over the weekend. He is the great Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN. Let's hug it out here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? 
Hey, I, I know it must be a big story in golf if you're, you're tapping me in to talk golf. Uh, well, I think it's a big. I think it's a big story in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I. Sure. This is the funny thing, as you, what Kevin is alluding to is he knows I, golf, of course, is not my thing. Never has been. Although I get it when when it matters, I I need to know what it is that I'm talking about. But this, I, I'll make a comparison, Kevin. Did you did you read We Own the City, the book? Uh, I did not, actually. Okay. okay. I, uh, I should have, but I never did. Okay, so when I read it, I remember messaging Justin and saying, what what really jumped out to me was I thought the subtext of the book was me having to ask myself how corruptible I am, right? That, like, it, okay. it demanded, reading this book demanded me thinking about, in my life, how corruptible I might have been had I been in certain situations. Because while we know... That, like, Wayne Jenkins, that wasn't him being corrupted. He was evil. Like, there's no debate about that. Others involved were just pretty clearly easily corrupted. And this, the way this has unfolded in recent weeks, has revisited that question for me about how easily corruptible I might be and how capable I would be of stepping up in the right situation. I don't know if I've told you this before. I know Pat Perez, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I did anyway. Like, when I lived in Arizona, he hung out with us. Um, Mm -hmm. I I really liked Pat Perez. I haven't talked to him in a very long time. I don't want to portray like we're we're still friends or anything like that. And I, this jumps off the page at me. Like, here's the guy that's, that's making the big statement, bold, no, this is wrong, but wait, how much money did you say it was again? Like, huh, can I, can I compromise my morals for that amount of money? And it's, it's difficult because I I don't, I struggle with it. I'd like to hope that there is no way that I would be that corruptible, but Jesus, man, like that is an awful lot of money for you to be able to turn around and say, I'm going to give this to my family and not have to worry about, you know, and this isn't my problem to deal with. And so I do think it's a complicated discussion even if we believe that there is a right and wrong at the center of it. Sure. I guess it just kind of comes down to, like, where do you draw your moral lines? You know, would you would you let someone murder one of your children for $40 million? No. I, right. No one would sort of say that, okay? Would you let them murder your neighbor's children for $40 million? Well, no, no one would say that. That would be horrible. Would you let someone murder your children, across someone's children who you never met across town for $40 million? Well, you, in theory, you wouldn't do that. But in some ways, when you think about the world of global politics, that is what you're saying. Well, I don't know anybody in Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. so I don't care if they torture gay people there or they electrocute women who advocate for you know you wanting to drive. And here's the sort of easy rebuttal to the sort of what about, well, you, why don't you ever care about China? Right. Well, you want to have that argument too? Then let's have that argument. Like, this idea that, well, because some evil exists in the world, that there are no moral lines, whatever, is utterly depraved. You know, you can sit here and say, well, I don't see how, you can, you know, Saudi Arabia subjects, you know, invests in FedEx and whatever. Want to have that argument, too? Let's have that argument. Because I don't really believe that the people who are trying to make these arguments actually want to have any moral Not at all. What they just want to say is... Everything should be able to go in the world of capitalism. Morality should not matter. And if you want to say that, just say it. Like, just say, I'd be okay if, they, if, if Vladimir Putin put on a tournament. And I would go there and play for $50 million. Because in a lot of respects, 
That is what you are saying when you're saying, I would like a check directly from Mohammed bin Salam. Boy, that was, by the way, that was about the strongest question that I could have ever possibly imagined last week, right? Like for everything, and I'm not trying, for everything that came up at those press conferences, my God, that one was head spinning, right? Like, Jesus I mean, I love the English press because they don't have this sort of politeness uh, that I think the American press is often worried about. I'm sorry, this is an offensive question. They just kind of get into it, and they throw that stuff out. Like, I don't really care. You know, the awkward sort of, you know, I think that that's the role of the press is to ask tough questions. Yep. And if the people up there, you know, Bolter and Westwood said, I'm not going to answer that. It's a hypothetical. Okay. Then, you know, you don't have to answer it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't answer the question. Because for people who are being oppressed in Saudi Arabia, the question is not that different. It is essentially like that. And the narrative of around MBS is more favorable in many ways than it is around Vladimir Putin right now. But we're only three years removed from literally like capturing a critic and cutting him up alive. Yes. And, and that's the stories that we know about, right? Part of the reason that I included some other stuff in the uh, piece that I wrote for Sunday which I, you know, hope anybody listening to this would go check out. We're, like, we're gonna we're gonna get a tweet up for it, linking it out. It's about not it. just what happened with Jamal Khashoggi. It's there's a lot of that kind of stuff going around. And what happens? Here's what I think is sort of an interesting element: is the past is never the past, Glenn. Like going forward, what happens when there's another situation and we're in Portland and. Phil Mickelson has to answer yet again for saying, I don't condone human rights violations. Okay, well, now your employers might have committed more human rights violations. How do you feel about that now? Does that encourage you at all to rethink this now? Like, do, do are they prepared to be put in that situation? They seem to be of the naive belief that, like, it's all good now. This goes away. Going forward is going right. to be positive. Right. That isn't how it works, man. No, I, I definitely got that vibe, by the way, Kevin, that they believe, okay, we get just get through this week. And it almost makes me wonder if that's purposely the reason why, like, Bryson wasn't there. Like, let's just get through this first one, and now it can just be golf, right? Like, mm-hmm. now when we show up in Portland or anywhere else that we're going to be, with you know, when we go hang out at Donald Trump's course, um, all we got to do is, is talk about how ex- – I can't even remember the names of these stupid teams that they're doing for this thing. We can talk about how excited we are to be a... The a, Stingers a, and the yeah, Crusher. Right. And, uh, like, yeah. th- that, that's all anybody's going to want to talk about. So we've, we've gotten through... We, we talk about this constantly. Whenever there is a major controversy, there's this thought, hey, just ride it out. Ride it out yeah. for 24 hours. It'll go away. Right? That's what... And the, they're probably right about a lot of that, but I think that this might be a little bit different. I mean, I don't think that you can just guarantee that, uh, you know, the kind of people who do this kind of thing are just going to behave themselves going forward, right? I mean, I, no. <laughs> There's absolutely... Like, and that's the... it's Boy, it's terrifying what it is that you're doing here. Like, it's it's terrifying, but yet these people are clearly just willing to say, okay, but there's a price. Like, my, I am available. Yep. I am available yep. for an amount to be involved with something that's terrifying. Kevin Van Valkenburg's with us here on GCR. Ke- Kevin, from a golf standpoint... Is this thing going to last? Is this going... Like, I keep coming back to... Let's separate. Let's just talk about it from a golf perspective. Does mm-hmm. Does anyone want this? Like, I, I know we've, we mocked sort of the fact that they were giving away tickets over the weekend in order to try to get people there. And, like, well, when this shows up in Portland, will people care? Will there be 
big crowds? Will this? Will somebody end up yeah. putting this thing on TV at some point? Like, is this sustainable as is? Uh, it's a great question. I would say that it will be interesting to, as long as the like money is involved. The players will just keep doing it. I don't think they'll care that much if they're playing in front of. 50 fans uh, in the future. They'll just be like, yep, this is what I am as a professional golfer. I get paid and this is the contract I signed and it's not our you know, job to get lots of fans to come here. Mm-hmm. I think you know, the initial uh, curiosity of it uh, drove a lot of fans there. And to be honest, like then it was a pretty well-run event. Like it was, there was a lot of stuff where you'd be, I mean, I think I, in my story, I compared it to like a music festival. Like there was, you know, three concerts and, I'd never heard James Bay before, but I went out and listened to one of the concerts. Oh, I, like I was James. like, oh, this dude's great. I, yeah, I like I James would, Bay. <laughs> I would definitely go to a concert with this guy. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who brought families. And so I think what, you know, the world has shown is that is wherever you draw the moral lines, there's always someone willing to go lower. And, and you know, country of 300 million people or in a planet full of 8 billion people, that's a lot of people who just are saying, like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I don't care what... uh you know, whatever moral lines are. And they think, they sort of create this idea in their head of like, well, this is just the media is saying this. But the media is, well, you know, if you want to make the media into the enemy and you want to do no actual sort of research or exploration of your own, that's on you. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to tell you how to think. I'm just going to tell you what I know and what the facts of this stuff are. And the facts of this stuff are, it's like, this is not like typing on your iPhone or sending a package through FedEx. This right. Is directly, take, these are players directly taking a check from a nation with abhorrent human rights records that has never owned up to its role in the September 11th stuff. And I think that that's a lot different than basically being like, yeah, I'm, I'm buying an iPhone that uh, was made in China. Right. And you know what? If you want to have that conversation, I really don't think anybody making that argument actually does. They actually want iPhones to cost twice as much. Uh, but they just want to use that as a sort of quick, cheap point to no longer have to discuss their own moral bankruptcy. Well, and as you pointed out on social media, they're, they're doing it. This is this exists for the singular point of trying to get people to stop talking about the other stuff. Like right. that's the you only don't get any benefit right. other than <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason that they're doing this. Yeah, to like sell a product. It, this is going to lose massive amounts of money. Insane. Yes, I think they said you know to. It's not meant to turn a profit in any way. And anyone who tells you that it is, is kidding. You don't give Pat Prez $40 million if you're trying to turn a profit. Otherwise, the PGA Tour like would have given players a lot of money, more money uh, previously. I mean, golf is still a niche sport. Like It's one thing to give LeBron $200 million guaranteed money because there's some return for that. It's a whole different deal to give you know a 51-year-old Phil Mickelson $200 million of money. And golfers have felt like they're over, you know, underpaid for a long time. And I think that the top players probably were underpaid in a way, but you know they're they're not football and they're not basketball, and that sometimes the guys have a hard time sort of accepting that. But for right now, there's a, a bottomless pit of money and someone who likes golf enough that they want to use it for their PR purposes. And so that's why I think like the argument of why aren't you in favor of competition? This isn't competition. Right. This isn't like someone who has to actually balance their books. This is just a sports league basically saying, yeah, this is worth it to just completely lose money. And if it, 
you know, whatever it does to whatever else is out there, like that's fine with us. What and, is, you know, they want, I think that the, you know, the reality of it is, is is like, I don't know how the, what actual response the PGA tour has. That's, that's the, I, so, I try to figure out what the end game is, Kevin. Like what, what and I know that you know, we might be years away from something like this, but does this just go away one day and everybody pretends like it never happened? Is the PGA Tour forced at some point to, you know, I, I've heard people say, hey, maybe the Live Tour becomes the fall series and the PGA, mm-hmm. you know, holds their nose and lets guys go playing or something like that. Like, what what is the end game for this? I think it's probably for courts to decide. Like, if the courts decide that the PGA Tour does not have any legal right to keep players out of it, then... You know, I think all the players are going to go back and forth. I mean, maybe some of them, you know, Rory's been pretty upfront about the morality of it, uh, that he doesn't want a part of that. So, you know, it would be hard for him to sort of stomach going in the opposite direction, I think. But uh, the rest of them will just be like, yeah, I'll just play the eight tournaments that, you know, I think they said they're going to have eight this year, maybe 10 next year. They'll just go that, and then they'll play the other two events in the majors as sort of a supplement, and they'll make a lot more money. Because I don't, I don't really know, like what, you know, if if they can't ban them, then the PGA Tour might as well just let them come back and you know hold grit their teeth. Boy, that's awkward. <laughs> it's so awkward. Golf, right? golf is changing in like I don't think people saw this coming. I, I don't think. I mean, I golf nerds like me have been talking about this for two years, and then all of a sudden, like the rest of the world is like, holy sh- moly, what's right. going on? Right. <laughs> Right. And that's why, I mean, this is probably, I'm not kidding, you know, you're, you're my favorite of all, but this is probably the 20th radio interview. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, because there's so many people who are interested. In right, it, you know? right. Well, I, you were doing sports. Like, I get it. It's that's it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. I, I, I'm going to ask you a question. Kevin Van Valkenburg, and I don't want to keep you all day. I, I know that you and I have a history of doing an hour, but I also understand you're more important these days. <laughs> and so um, I, I know that once upon a time, you... As, as sort of before you were covering golf, you were a fan of Phil Mickelson. You had an affinity yeah. for Phil Mickelson, and that might have yeah. gone away completely just because you were covering him, right? And I, you know, I don't know how all that works, sure. but but as someone who I know cared about Phil, like I know you rooted to see Phil finally break through and win a U.S. Open. Like I know that about you. How yeah. how have you kind of? handled all of this and your relationship with him and, and his turn. What's that been like for you on a personal level? It's definitely kind of strange. I mean, I, I think I learned, uh, you know, years ago to sort of divorce yourself from uh, art and the artist. Uh, and, you know, I think that's impossible because, you know, even saying that it's kind of laughable because one of the reasons I like Rory so much is I think he's an actual person of substance. And, you know, I, it's hard. I mean, I Phil is just kind of a manipulative person. You know, he, the very first day in, I was over there in London, he had one of his, you know, uh, PR guys come and find me and say, Phil just wants you to know how much he appreciates you being fair. And then, you know, a lot of people, and I, it just made me like question all of my sort of previous reporting about him. And I, cause I know that Phil probably didn't, ever read a single thing that I wrote. He just hmm. was trying to kind of get me to sort of, you know, be nice about it because he was recognized like, oh, ESPN's here. Well, it's a way to sort of, you know, shade this in my corner. And so 
that's just kind of how he rolls. And, you know, I think when you kind of recognize that and acknowledge that about him, you just sort of, again, it's never going to like take away my enjoyment of watching the 2004 masters and jumping out of my chair when he was making birdies on the back nine. Cause that was fun. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, the 2013 open, like those are some of my favorite memories in golf. And you know, that, I don't look. Phil can get his money. Like Phil can make his choices. I don't begrudge him for that at all. But I, it's my job to sort of write about like what the sort of total picture of this is. If if they had their way, no one would ever talk about any of the sort of human rights stuff because obviously they don't want that story to be told. Right. And so you know, if if you're one of these people who's out there being like, why do you hate this so much? I don't hate it at all. I just want you to understand the like the actual funding behind it and what the complications are for people who are not involved in golf who see golf whitewashing these kind of things. Uh, you know, that's the whole point. No, no one inside Arabia is like, "Oh my God, we should totally create a golf league." That'd be awesome. <laughs> They're like, "Hey, we did this with uh, Formula One. Yep. We did this with WWE. We did this with horse racing, soccer. We did this with soccer." Golf seems like a great thing to do. How, how many wealthy businessmen play golf? I mean, the Prime Minister of Japan and has played golf with multiple presidents of the United States. The Prime Minister of, of England has played golf with <laughs> presidents of the United States. Like, you think it'd been a huge potential, like, boon to you if you could get uh, Phil Mickelson to play golf with someone super important on behalf of the Saudi Arabian government? Of course it would be. I mean... I- you're right. You're right. You're you're hundred percent right. By the way, I've been doing this tennis podcast with Greg Rosenthal recently, and like we, somebody messaged me last week and said, "Hey, if Serena did this, how would you react?" And it like just the question alone crushed me. Right? Like this insane hypothetical. There's no reason at all, but I just was like fumbling like an idiot. It's <laughs> so, like I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel. It would be, it would be very difficult. Um, yeah, or you know, yeah, I, I totally think it, it would be, it would be tough. Yep. I would hope that the same media would keep the same energy and I hope. lay out the complications of it all in the same way. Yep. Like I, I don't hate Phil Mickelson. Justin Thomas had a good thing. I don't hate DJ. This is none of this is personal, but it's my job to sort of not just swallow the PR BS of things and to actually show people like, hey, this is the reality behind this. If you want to support that, go go do it. Uh, who's going to win the U.S. Open? You know, I think we're due for a U.S. Open winner who is a little less like on the kind of group of like, oh, these these are the picks every year. So I, I'm picking Will Zaltor. Okay, uh, I think all right. Such a good ball striker. Uh, putting is hard at you know the U.S. Open for sure, so it's kind of neutralized in some ways. Like, yeah, he'll have to make like some putts that are. You know, but he putting was super hard at the PGA, and he did pretty well there. I think he's figured out something that's working for him, and he's just he's going to make a he's going to hit it to twenty feet a lot. So you know, those are actually if everybody's hitting it to twenty feet, then Will's got a I think a pretty good chance of it. So I uh, love you, brother. I cru- truly appreciate the coverage yeah. you uh, you gave, and thank you for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. You literally, just got yeah. off a, a, a international flight yesterday. So <laughs> seriously, thank you for doing this, my friend. Let's you talk bet. soon. All right, take care. Kevin Valkenberg from uh, ESPN. Again, it, it's it's an awkward spot to be in because I don't 
I don't, when I say don't care, I don't care on the golf side of things. It just doesn't impact my interests. It doesn't matter to me if the PGA Tour is hurt. It doesn't matter to me if, you know, more players end up doing this or whatever ends up happening. But it's a bigger response. And look, we had to talk about it on our pro wrestling podcast, stupid pro wrestling podcast. We've had to just discuss this over the years. Because as Kevin's pointed out, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia spent an awful lot of money with WWE. It's awkward as hell. I don't know, man. I don't know. If you're a golf fan, I can only imagine how torn, how conflicted you must be. And I can certainly understand coping mechanisms from some of you that are like, hey, look, I'm just going to choose to to, to say whatever. It's happening. Um, I'll watch it. I'll root for the golfers that I like. I don't know. I'm not going to involve myself in the conversation. But the conversation has to be had. We have to be capable as a society of dealing with something being right or something being wrong. We've got to be able to do that. We've got to be able to say this shouldn't be happening. You have not addressed your atrocities. And you can say back, well, yeah, but Saudi Arabia is an ally of the United States. You know, the president of the United States going to grovel for oil. That's a different conversation. Keep going back. As Kevin points out, it's all whataboutism. Yes or no, plain and simple, is it right for someone to take money from a murderous regime in order to help whitewash their crimes? Right or wrong? Wrong. Plenty of people do things that they probably aren't very proud of. Get caught up working for bad people because the money's good. We all watched Ozark. We think there's a bit less risk for the golfers involved. We don't think they're likely to end up being shot. They'll probably be protected. Their families will likely be protected. Although... It's the type of thing that I'd be thinking about. It's wrong. You can keep trying to sugarcoat it or what about it or whatever it is that you want to do. We have to be able to inherently say this is wrong. You want to do something that's wrong? You just say, I'm doing it anyway. That's your business. But we as a functional society have to be capable of drawing right versus wrong. Winding down for hour number one of today's show. It's also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience, technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, uh, Jeremy's joining us. That's the story. Jeremy Kahn. We're going to do it. move things around a little bit. Jeremy Kahn will check in with us. And then later on in the 11 a.m. hour, our buddy Walt Williams will preview uh, game five of the NBA Finals. That's on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match, July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys so while Lamar Jackson will be attending mandatory minicamp for the Baltimore Ravens this week, Commander's wide receiver Terry McLaurin will not be doing the same. Adam Schefter reported this morning that Terry McLaurin does not plan to attend this week's mandatory minicamp. Per source, McLaurin is continuing to seek a contract extension consistent with other comparable wide receivers that recently signed. Until he has it, he will miss reps with new Washington quarterback Carson Wentz. To which everybody says, go trade for him. And hey, that sounds good. It does. It sounds good. I like the idea. It's going to cost you an awful lot. 
And you got to give him that contract. And so I'm going to guess the Ravens won't be the one doing for doing that. But would I? Sure. These types of players make serious impact. It's amazing to me how the NFL watched the way that Stefan Diggs utterly and completely changed the Buffalo Bills. And everybody else was like, yeah, but we don't really want to do that. We'd rather not pay wide receivers. We just, it's, it's, that's not, that's not so great. Now, I'm not saying that immediately Tyreek Hill will be able to do that for Tua Tungavailoa or Devontae Adams will be able to do that for, I don't know. I don't know if either of those guys can do that. But give me a top-of-the-line wide receiver. Give me that guy at all times. It's Monday. We're doing a little bit earlier than normal, but it's always good to catch up with our buddy from the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. You see his picks every day, pressboxonline.com. He's been hot, despite the fact that I tried to cool him off last Monday. He is our buddy Jeremy Kahn. What's going on, pal? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I I did. It's the only one I bet last week, by the way, was the, the one that got rained out. That was the only yeah. one. He forced the, one of my games to get postponed. Um, so which sorry. I believe it did go over the next day, but I didn't. I wasn't on it because the conditions weren't the same. Yeah, and I don't know how much people realize it. Like afternoon games are vastly different than than night games because of shadows coming into play and all the different types of things that can happen. So, but um, but yeah. Let's talk about some sports before I get. Oh, you know what? No, Ugh. no. Okay. I'm going to go in reverse order. I've got sports I want to talk about with you, but I first want to discuss something that came up. Late last week, and, and we ended up doing a conversation on the fan yesterday. Um, okay. I'm guessing, you know, knowing you, you're a man who's worn a Speedo at some point in your life. Yeah. Give me the circumstances. Well, mine was on, like, I didn't wear it to actually go swimming. Mine was more of in a joking fashion. So, um, like, I had... Uh, I don't know if this counts, but you know my Ric Flair costume, the wrestling I, brief. I, I thought like, I vaguely remembered this. Yeah, to where everybody was questioning whether or not that was my real package. Um, so, uh, well, hang on. Let, it, me, let it, me see the picture. It, I'll be able to confirm. You want me to send it to you, or do you have it? No, I, I was joking that I would know what oh. your package looks like by memory. Why were you joking? I <laughs> thought you did know what it looked <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. Well, I can draw it. I mean, we played we played tummy sticks that one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, no. It's, and, it's and, a um, gift, Todd. I, I'm going to keep that. One is a joke for my wife, and then I wore it, but I didn't wear it out. So I have been asked, and I believe you know someone else who's been asked to be a part of this. I believe, uh, or I've been asked to be a part of the Boys of Hamden sexy calendar that comes oh. out every year. It's a charity calendar, and I agree to be part of it. And as part of this. They have asked me to do a kickoff event where we're going to host a sexy car wash at KNS Automotive on the 25th. And me being a man who, much like you, lives the bit. Like, I'm, once I'm in, I'm in, right? Like, we'll go the whole way. I yeah. ordered a Speedo with a hot dog placed right on the front of it. Nice. And I said, I'm doing this thing. I'm in, right? Like, I'm all in. And then late last week, over the weekend, when I got the email that, like, the Speedo was on the way, it struck me that, like, I really, like, I'm committing to doing this. Like, I'm actually going to show up in public and wear a Speedo. And, like, I've never worn a Speedo before. And I don't know, like, if I'm in danger of something popping out at some point. Do I wear 
Do I wear some underpants underneath it to try to, like, protect myself here in any day? I don't know what I'm doing here, Jared. No, you just wear the – trust me, Glenn, I've seen you. There's nothing <laughs> popping out of that said Speedo. I mean, there's nothing saying, hi, hello, how are you? Um, and the biggest problem for, for us wearing Speedos is that you want to make sure – Right. Correct. I'm trying to think of the medical term. Chub it up. Yeah, um, yeah. And then not to touch it so much when you're out there because you're still trying to make sure it's it's – at attention, you know, ah, to a degree. Ah, good. Not full attention, right. but like, hey, I'm watching out of the corner of my is eye. There a, is, there a, is there something that you know that's that's helpful? Like, the helicopter. <laughs> if you do that before you get, like, you've done the helicopter. I've before, done the right? helicopter. So, by the yeah. way, part of what you're alluding to is the other part that I'm worried about. Right? I'm going to put on the Speedo, and then people are going to look at me like, oh, oh, is, are, is there something there? Like... Do you... Yeah, but at this point of our life, should we really care about that anymore? No, like, probably not, but, like, but I don't know, yeah, man. I, I'm putting on it. a Speedo. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Just, I, maybe, maybe you just try to show off that backside, that dumper of yours. Right, just like, yeah. Look, look at what's going on back hey, here. Hey, but, like, the, but the hot dog isn't on the back. It's on the, like, I purposely bought the one that's going to bring attention to the that's front. That's why you have it written on the back. If you eat it in one bite, it's free. <laughs> See, that's it's not bad. That's how you. I thought about just. I thought maybe I would just put hottie on the back. Like oh, that okay. would be that would be the way that. Ask me about my wiener on ask the back. Ask me about my that's wiener cute. is not bad. Yeah, you can have a- that. Ask me about Matt Weeters. Um, look, I I'm excited about it because I we're gonna do some some good for a wonderful local charity. But I am like I don't get nervous about. A, I got really nervous when I had to jump out of that plane last year. Like I I I could not sleep the night before. Like I was terrified anxiety riddled and i'm starting really? to feel oh yeah man like i could not not because i thought i was gonna die but just because i don't know what i'm doing like i get that way when i literally am beyond my own capabilities coming in like it's funny because rita will talk about how she still gets butterflies whenever she does a radio show i'm like really like and part of that is I, like i know i can do that it's easy mm-hmm. i've done it for for 20 years but when i do something i've never done before and i don't know what it is that i'm doing like, if somebody said, we need you to be a celebrity chef tomorrow night, I'd be legitimately nervous about that because I don't know I don't know how to prepare real food. I know how to throw some burgers on a grill, right? Like, I couldn't do that. I get legitimately nervous and real anxiety about things I don't know. And I'm telling you, something as simple as putting on a Speedo is starting to give me a bit of anxiety. Yeah, I could see that. Like, if they ask you to do something that you've never done before, like, you know, if you have a hard time with arithmetic, pleasing a woman, you know, right, there's all right, of exactly things that, things that I yeah. just what would I know about that, right? <laughs> like, what in the world? Imagine um, if your life was on the line and you had to give a woman sexual pleasure. Oh man, we're done. <laughs> Goodbye. The best ninety seconds of your life. No that includes getting undressed. No um, but yeah, no, I, I could see how that could be a little nerve wracking, especially being out in front of people. Like, I don't know. I'm just well past the point when someone asks me to do. Something. Oh, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I think I could do that. hundred. And I, by the way, I'm I am largely the same way. Like I'll j- I know you did it with a dunk tank. Like I'll largely mm-hmm. say yes to just about anything. Like there's very few things, as you know better than anyone, that I ever say no to. Yeah. Uh, that's what I like about you. <laughs> Correct. You're a yes man. Jer- Jeremy's like, hey, I got I got a bottle of whiskey and a half a thing of lube. I'm like, all right, buddy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, hey, I've never tried this before. Well, since <laughs> since Boy Scouts, but. Um, hey, I, I wanted to tell you this before you get, I know we're going to get to sports, uh, but I saw the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Okay. What'd you think? And it's not going to be for everybody. I thought it was 
brilliant. I thought it was amazing. So somebody um, else said that to me. I super cool and was just so into it, and I'm probably going to watch it again with my wife. Oh wow! That's how much I liked it. Yeah. Oh wow! You know what's funny? I did not. And in fairness, it's because we went to McCartney last night. I did not go see Jurassic Park this weekend, and it's the first time in my life that I didn't see a Jurassic Park movie when it came out. And wow. like we, we, I heard it was awful though. That's it. everybody said it was awful, except like. Like young Griffin went and saw it and loved it, and our buddy uh, Eric Arditi, who's obsessed with yeah, Jurassic, but he loves Park. Every Jurassic Park. Movie, I know, but Arditi, I do, t- so. but I really do too, Jeremy. Like I really am. I admit to being a rube when it comes to this. Does it have dinosaurs? I'm probably in. It's yeah, it, I want to see it, but they need to make one of these rated R. Like I'm, it's just watching dinosaurs run around. Like you want to watch someone's people? guts actually fall out of them as they're being consumed. Like, well, if you think back to, what was it, the first one, like, you really don't see anybody get killed on film except for the guy in the bathroom, and then he gets swallowed whole, right? Do we really see that? So, like, I mean, that's part of it. Dinosaurs are going to attack you. Is everybody going to die off screen? It's just, I don't know. I hear I understand you. I, the whole PG right. thing for kids and whatnot, but, eh. What do you think of it? By the way, you know, my sons are now seven and five, and I said, like, Joe... We, on Friday, we were joking after, I, by the way, I had to attend a preschool graduation. It was very moving, uh, a lovely ceremony. Um, I said, well, maybe boys will go see Jurassic Park this weekend. And my wife shot me a dagger. Like, really? I had suggested that we, we go shoot paintballs off their faces or something like that. Like, she was so furious that I put it out there. Because they're now, like, they're aware of the existence of Jurassic Park, and they're excited about the concept of Jurassic Park. And she was, because I, I thought, like, maybe we'll go to the drive-in theater. We'll have make a weekend out of it, right? Like, go have some. She was so furious that I even brought it up that she, like, eight hours later was still mad at me as we were going to bed. She's like, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe... Like, what the hell? It's a dinosaur oh movie. Right. I'm definitely the wrong guy to ask this question because my dad let me watch Porky's and Porky's 2 when I was five. Well, but, the, hey, so, but those are wholesome family films. I mean, yeah. like, you learned a lot of TV things. And, exactly. Yeah, all the right. other. So, I, yeah, I mean, they're, like, I was watching stuff that I shouldn't watch, and the old dad, hey, cover your eyes, where you do it with, like, as you're making right. uh, yeah, yeah. box you, thing, like, you're covering your eyes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, so, to live long and prosper. You know, that's that's exactly what. So he would do that with us all the time, and we would watch inappropriate movies as kids, and it's probably why I ended up like this. So yeah, it's perfectly. <laughs> but fine isn't for your that kids the, to watch isn't that, that stuff. the role? So like isn't that what fatherhood is supposed to be? Like you yeah. be the you be the one who says we shouldn't do this. I be the one who just goes ahead and does it anyway. Like don't don't kids need that type? Like sure, maybe it might give this kid a nightmare, but he's gonna get a nightmare about something at some point. Like, I'll be there when he's got a nightmare. I'll he can come run into my arms, and I'll tell him it's okay, and, and we're good, right? Isn't that the way the fatherhood works? Yeah, I've been a firm believer that I want my kids to uh, see certain things and explain it to them, you know, uh, as a dad, whatever, like being in that room and talking to them about certain things and finding, like, I always felt like the people that were so sheltered that wouldn't let their kids experience certain things, like, you have no idea what they're doing. Like, I would talk to parents of kids that I was coaching, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, my... My my Johnny's never heard this and never done that, and I'm like, you don't know your Johnny. So <laughs> right. practice, I get to hear right. what he's somebody, yes. and what he says. Somebody yeah. is teaching him these things. It might not yeah. be you, but someone it might be is. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm completely with you. All right, Jamie Kahn with us, one zero five seven, the fan. Um, so where are you with the the statement this morning? The law. I got the, this was a really bizarre. I got a comment from Casey this morning that said, "Is Glenn okay today?" I thought the Orioles' statement would have been a layup for him to bash O's management. I'm like, I don't, 
the statement was exactly what I asked for. Like, it, I get that this is an awkward situation where what's true, what's not, whatever it is. But this is about as aggressive as, as John Angelos could possibly be. In, and, and, I, and I know somebody would say, hey, well, Robert Ursay denied he was moving once. You can say whatever you want to say. But this is about as aggressive as ownership could possibly be in reaction to the part of the lawsuit that you guys seem to care about, despite the fact that there was actually no evidence that it was real. Yeah. And like, they needed something. We, we, it's funny because we had a 630 segment today. Uh, should they release a statement? And while we're having our segment, the statement gets released. That's pretty funny. That's um, <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect timing as we're we're talking about it, and then we start reading it and going over everything, and it's like you needed somebody to just reassure the team wasn't moving because that's the biggest concern. Like I don't, I think the majority of people here don't care if the team is sold, and some people are probably in favor of it. Um, but again, sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you right. don't. We don't know. We don't know what it's right. going to be like if if they sold the team to somebody. But um, as long as the team doesn't move, we can deal with ownership and figure things out unless it just turns to be just a cesspool. But I think we needed to hear that from someone. I always felt like the likelihood is that they wouldn't move, but I, I still think fans needed to hear something. Like I, I saw someone wrote, "Hey, is uh, John and Lou at um, at the McCartney concert last right. night?" I'm sure they're not sitting in the same box, so they might have their own boxes. But uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is, like when you look at the the baseball, t- like the baseball team's finally getting to where we want them to be. And then now you deal with this and, and the unknown. So I, I think they desperately had to release something. And I think they did it at the perfect time where it's going to be the center of conversation. I, I would say two things. One, I've never actually been afraid of the Orioles. This is not how professional sports works. Like, you move because you don't have a facility. You move yeah. because you can't play in the place where you've been playing. Like, the, the athletics could move. Tampa could move. But they're... Baseball, the, like, the, the comparison would be St. Louis. Like, maybe the city of St. Louis would have worked harder to get the Rams a new stadium, right? Like Maybe if they had the opportunity to, they would have stepped up, gotten the money, taken care of it, whatever would have happened. They were kind of robbed of that opportunity because Stan Kroenke was hell-bent on moving the team to Los Angeles, right? But that's because it was Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Nashville is a smaller media market than Baltimore is. Not by much. In fact, it's the next one on the list. It's like 28-29. Major yeah. League Baseball is not going to pay $800 million to make sure they get a team in the 29th biggest media market in the country. It doesn't. This is not the way this works. This notion that, that, that owners can just up and decide one day, well, I live in Nashville now, so I want the team to be there, is not backed up by anything that's remotely factual at all in in all of professional sports, but you know that's not how fans think, though. Oh, I get it, right? So, yeah, like, I mean, think? they were all like, "I was my phone was blowing up. Are they moving the team out?" I was like, that, "That never even got brought up." But okay, right? You know, hundred percent. So I, I'm I'm good with saying we're gonna address now. I have concerns, Jeremy. Like a lawsuit involving the controlling partner of the team and where family money is at risk does make me wonder, because I've talked a lot about how this is the... You need to go sign some pitching this offseason. Like, whatever whatever you want to say about the rebuild, this is the offseason now. You've, you've done... You've, you know, you, the, the rebuild has provided fruit. There is reason for optimism. But you're not going to be able to go into next season feeling super confident about any of Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, or D.L. Hall. Maybe they all will be quality Major League pitchers next year. But there's no way that when this season ends, you're going to be able to feel super confident about that. You have to sign 
something, not $300 million, but something in mm-hmm. order to take that next step. And I do worry that a lawsuit involving the family money might prevent the Orioles from spending any money this offseason in order to sign. Like, I have concerns related to the lawsuit. It's just not about relocation to the franchise. It doesn't seem like with, with this lawsuit that the most likely scenario is that the team gets sold. I mean, do you feel that? Because I, I, like, I, I felt that. I, I, I've always felt that it was going to be very difficult for, for the Angelo Suns to withstand the hit of the inheritance tax of the franchise and still have it make sense for them to be the owners of the team. I've always felt that way. But, you know, maybe doing these con- – you know, by the way, Paul McCartney, what a wonderful night it was. I don't, did you, you didn't go, did you? I didn't go. No, I saved up my money to go see uh, Drew Hill and Smash. Oh God, that's what a what a magical night that's going. By the way, I, I I will not stand for any Drew Hill slander. Drew Hill is perfect, but yeah. my God, it, a Smash Mouth is a war crime. Uh, I know. I have PTSD. I survived a Smash Mouth concert once. Um, look, did they just play All Star over and over again? No, they, they. Oh my God, and you actually knew it. They they're all terrible, but you realize you knew like three other songs. Yeah. Um, uh, under the what's the one under the walking sun, on uh, walking on the sun yeah walking whatever yeah, yeah. that you knew that you're like oh god another one um and then they bear they I, I forgot they did like a bit where they were a karaoke band for a few years and they just put out covers um like they did a cover of I'm a believer and I was like oh god uh, I yeah that was also about, on Shrek yeah yeah I forgot about all these things so anyway um it was it, this was a magical night and maybe the ability to do events like that has made made it seem like more businesssensical that that John could run the team and if the story about there being a buyer in 2020 and him saying no it might very well be that he is seeing different revenue streams that are possible for the Orioles and he now thinks he could survive the inheritance tax and make the Orioles even more profitable and continue I don't know I I, I don't you know I don't I don't know those things but it's trying to figure out why they wouldn't have sold in 2020 it kind of lines up with they had just done the Billy Joel concert, right? Like they had just shown that there could be new ways to use the stadium, new ways to use the property in order to make more profit. And maybe there's enough profit there that he says to himself, no, I do want to ride this thing out. Like I think, think I can be an owner. Do you think they realize how much money is going to come in from this flow ride a concert and the fact that Smash Mouth is in town, that they're not going to want to sell the team because there's just so much money to be made? No. I don't know. Is that a negative? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, You're I don't, gonna be front row and center for I mean, Flow Rider. I'm gonna skip. Hang on, man. They're they're spending advertising dollars with us to promote Flow Rider, so I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Hey, well, you don't have can't to like the music. The big, I mean, people can't there are wait people for the like big Flow Rider show. Yeah. Go I, Florida. I, I, I'd rather yeah, see right. Florida Evans. I got. I got. Oh, Florida. Nice pool. Nice you pool. Still alive? Um, I, I know you were in on the Celtics before the series. Um, I, I don't know what else we say about Steph Curry. Jesus Christ, dude. I mean, this is insane. So good. It's, I mean, it's, it's bat-ass nuts what he's doing, and he's doing it in his mid-30s. I mean, it's just it, it's incredible. Um, I know a lot of people, like, the momentum thing catches up that you feel like, you know, something like that would happen in Game 4 could linger. I don't know. I, I think the Celtics have definitely proven they're a slightly better team. But Golden State gets the opportunity to play two games at home. I said before the series I thought it was going to come down to Game 5, but weirdly, Jeremy, I don't even know if that's true. I, I actually think it's possible either team could lose tonight. They've both proven they can win on the road. I, I don't know, man. Like I don't really have a read on this at all going into these final three games. Yeah, but the other thing I was telling people, too, about the Celtics, just think back about it. Uh, they've had no problem winning on the road. 
see the Nets, Bucks, Heat. They've also had no problems outside of the Nets series of losing games at home when they had a chance to take a hold of a, uh, a series or wrap something up as they lost a game six to the Heat and went back to Miami to close it out. They lost home games where it seemed like they were going to take a stranglehold over the series against the Bucks and had to go back to Milwaukee and yep. win. Yeah, they're a really weird team where it's almost like, yeah, we've done enough now, and we can, we think we can win here, we think we can win there, and then they seem to have these letdowns where it's not for a full game, but usually one quarter where you go, what are they doing? But um, I still think they're the better team. I Steph Curry had an amazing game, and if he didn't show everybody like just how special he is in that one, because he's getting, he's not getting really a lot of help. I know we could point at Wiggins having a crazy rebounding game, but. I mean, that guy has – every time Wiggins shoots the ball, it has just as much chance of going in as it does of going over the back. Oh, of course. I mean, right, right. It's such a weird player, man. Like, there's talent there, but his jump shot it seems broken to me at times. And he misses layups left and right. I just – I don't – Draymond's having an off series. Uh, Clay's not back to where he should be. They're frustrating him. And on the flip side, you know, if it's not Brown or Tatum, like, you're waiting for somebody else to step up, and we just don't see it consistently. Um, I, there is the small part of me that just wonders, like, but is there a Clay Thompson thirty-point game coming? Right? Like, is there? And I, I would almost assume if for somehow they win this game tonight, it's definitely coming in Game Six because that's what Clay Thompson does in elimination Game Sixes, right? But yeah, I, you know, like, yes, I probably agree with you. The Boston is the better of the team, certainly considering the way these guys are playing. They're the better, and they're definitely the bigger uh, more than anything. But my God, Steph Curry's been doing it for four games. Is there any reason for me to think that he couldn't do it for two more? Like somehow, some way, just continue to hit everything, score 45 points, and and carry well, them? Would, what I would say is if the Warriors – I don't want to say if the Warriors win tonight. They're favored. But the Warriors winning tonight, that somebody else steps up instead of just Steph. Yeah. Because my assumption is Emei's been so good at making adjustments that they do something in this game to try to frustrate Steph. Easier said than done, right, because the guy's – a generational talent and the best shooter of all time, but I think they they try to do something to frustrate him a little bit more. It wouldn't shock me to see it get chippy again tonight with the fouls, but um, I guess we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I like the under. That was my play for today. I would have a slight lean to the Celtics plus the points, but I think the under is the right play, and you're going to watch it after tonight. It's two eleven and a half for most of the series. It's been around two sixteen and a half, two eighteen in that range, and it slowly started to dip. Once we get closer to the elimination games, that's when things get really tight. And if you remember correctly, when we watched Miami and Boston in oh, yeah. Game 7, it did go over. It snuck over the total, but that total was 195.5. Those are 1990s like, yep. numbers. Yep. <laughs> so, no doubt. Um, yeah, the game does slow down to a snail's pace, especially in the second half. What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? Well, it's just Ed and I all week. Rob's on vacation, so um, we'll, we'll keep talking about the – Stanley Cup playoffs, the finals starting Wednesday night. Obviously, the Birds playing the Birds as they're up in Toronto and see what Stowers looks like. And uh, maybe some of these young guys, uh, you could see them three out of the four games. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, so that it'll be a lot of sports. We'll have some fun as well. And any, anything else that's late breaking, we'll get into. Um, uh, by the way, ask, uh, ask Ed if he's purchased a Speedo because uh, I think he's uh, I think he's part of this thing that I'm doing. I think. Oh. I think that Is might he be really? 
I'll definitely ask him. He's on the text thread. I don't know if he's actually doing it or not, but he's on the text thread. I think uh, I think there's something there. I think that's the case. At JeremyCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Love you, buddy. Talk to you next Monday. I all right? could get in and wear the Borat one if you want. By the way, if you just want to come out and hang out on the 25th and be a part what of it. What if I'm just in the stands while you guys are like doing your photos? I, would I show up in it. I would genuinely love I need you to know how much I would love that. Also, I know how much they would love it if you did that. It would make me so happy. All right, buddy. We'll talk, great. talk to you next week. See you, man. It's Jeremy Kahn. Joining us here on uh, GCR from 105.7 The Fan, of course, his picks at PressBoxOnline.com. Yeah, we just don't know what the story is going to be. Um, as far as Kyle Stowers, you know, you see he's with the club and you're like, ah, oh, he's making his debut, but he's he's only on the taxi squad. So I don't. I don't know. I am always opposed to there being someone that people are excited about seeing and having them make their debut on the road, but I don't feel like Kyle Stowers in no way compares to Adley Rutschman. So, like, it's not some sort of travesty that he would play his first game in Toronto, but, you know, it's not... It's not the most desirable scenario. You would always prefer for these things to happen when you're at home, um, and particularly, again, when it's not about, you know, a team trying to get into the playoffs. But, you know, I get it. I'm not trying to oversell Kyle Stowers and the importance of his Major League debut. Um, he's not Adley Rutschman. There's a difference in those things. When we come back in, we are going to talk more about the NBA Finals. Our buddy Walt Williams, Maryland legend and color analyst and longtime NBA player, is going to check in with us, share his thoughts on Game 5, coming up a little bit later on tonight. These are definitely the final days for you to pick up this print issue of Press Box. I just mentioned Adley Rutschman. He is right there on the cover. This is gone. Come Wednesday, the first-ever coaches issue of Press Box hits newsstands with John Harbaugh on the cover, celebrating his 15th season this year. Kenny Amatololo recognized. Is he also 15 seasons and so many more of the areas, high school, college, pro, men's and women's coaches that have reached milestones or retired recently, like Lou Eckerl from Calvert Hall or Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins. It's just our first ever coaches issue. Encourage you to be on the lookout for that starting on Wednesday, and this is your final chance to get this one with Adley Rutschman. All right, we'll talk finals next. Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland families, this Father's Day, join the O's in celebrating Dad at the Yard as they take on the Tampa Bay Rays Sunday, June 19th at 1.35. Go above and beyond by treating Dad to a fun-filled day with the entire family. Make sure to get to the ballpark early because the first 10,000 fans ages 15 and over will receive an Orioles golf visor. Dad's Day done right this year with the O's. Don't wait until the last minute when planning Father's Day. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today it's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants like me Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. It is a Monday edition of the program here on GCR. I have uh, heard a rumor that perhaps one of the uh, top prospects in the MLB draft, someone who is in serious consideration to be the Orioles' number one overall pick, could be joining the program tomorrow. I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything about it, but um, if it proves to be the case, I'd be very much looking forward to chatting with that person Tomorrow, right here on GCR. Just uh, kind of a, a morsel that I'll drop out there about uh, this week and uh, shows that are coming up. Orioles begin the series in Toronto tonight. Four-game set north of the border, and I still don't think we have seen an announcement of who is unavailable due to their vaccination status. Um, I guess we can assume, based on the fact that Kyle Stowers is on the taxi squad, that at least one of them is an outfielder. I'm just going to guess that's the case. Joining us now, one of our favorites, of course, Maryland basketball legend and now an analyst on the radio network and longtime NBA player. Let's talk about Game 5 tonight. Here's our buddy, the Wizard, Mr. Walt Williams, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Walt, Glenn, what's going on, man? How are you? All right. How you doing, buddy? Everything is good, dude. What's going on in your world? What's What, do you, what, what does the summer look like for Walt Williams? Oh, man, it's busy. It's busy. You know, I have my... Uh 
I have a new vodka brand called Clutch Vodka. Oh, I heard about so, that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, just getting that going, man. So it's been pretty busy. So yeah, that doesn't sound like. I mean, like, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to disparage all of the effort that you put into like launching something like this. But come on, bro, you get to work in vodka now. Like, like, you only get me to feel so bad for you in the process. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that, Walt. Seriously. Thank Congratulations you. on the new vodka. So where where can people find Clutch Vodka right now? So, yeah, we, we launched in the Mid-Atlantic region. So uh, it's all over in Maryland, D.C., and uh, Delaware right now. Awesome. Awesome. Very – I will have to – I, you know, for, for, um, <clears throat> for the purposes of, of information, right, because yeah. the people demand to know, I'll have to – be the be a good man and be a, a civil servant, and I'll have to make sure I get my hands on it in order to inform. Because that's what we're all about, Walt, is making Absolutely, sure man. we do the right thing for everybody else, so they know, right? Like I'll Absolutely, have to make that man. Clutchvodka dot com. You check it out, and it, you'll be able to see, uh, you know, when our tastings are coming up, and you know all the stores it's in and restaurants and everything. How do you, Walt, describe what it is that Steph Curry is doing right now in these NBA Finals? Well, I think uh, uh, for me, man, I, I look at the Golden State Warriors as a as a team. And, uh, man, the, the style of play that they have and the personnel, it fits it uh, to a T. And, uh, you know, pretty much every game I've seen throughout the playoffs – uh, with the Golden State uh, Warriors, every every after every game, after every win, I, I say to myself, "Man, uh, the Warriors are a tough team to stop." Uh, the last game was the first time that after the game, I said, "Oh man, Steph Curry carried that team." Um, I think up until that point, you know, the Warriors have been playing well as a team, um, and uh, I thought that they did, they were not playing well as a team offensively, but uh, Steph was able to. Uh, um, Put them, put the the team on his shoulder and on his back, on his back, and, and and carry him throughout. Because ultimately, I just feel like if Golden State is playing well on the offensive end, uh, they they're going to win. I think Boston needs to play well on both ends of the court uh, in order to win. But I, I think that uh, Golden State, they just if they if they're playing well well offensively, uh, I don't think that uh, Boston will be able to beat them. So. I think that uh, uh, Steph Curry uh, carried them over the line in uh, in uh, Game Four. What about the Draymond thing, though? Well, like this is I I I know we're not like golfers would would scream at me, but the, it's almost to the point where it's coming off as the yips, man. Like he. <laughs> There was a moment in Game Four where it reminded me of that Ben Simmons thing from earlier this year, where like he's going to the rim, but he's terrified of what might happen, so he flatly refuses to shoot at some point. Like this is, this isn't just about distractions or him doing a podcast. Like who cares about all this stuff? This is almost unwatchable. Like I, I, I don't even care about Draymond Green, right? Like, and I am. I'm starting to feel uncomfortable watching this right now because it's been so bad. Well, you know what? I, I agree with you. I, to me, it's not all anything to do with the outside, you know, podcast or any of that thing. Um, I, I think that people got caught up in uh, uh, the discussion on Draymond, and uh, I think he's a bit uh, over overrated. You know, uh, offensively, he's been what he is right now his entire career. 
So I think that the expectation of people uh, looking at him, they're expecting something different. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that offensively he has uh, gone backwards. I think that just offensively he's never been a guy who, um, who's going to put, put points on the board. Uh, defense, uh, on, uh, he, he's always been a liability on that end. Yep. The person that's defending him can always be well off of him and help and, and do all of these things. So I, I think that, uh, you know, lately Draymond has been being elevated to talks of like maybe Hall of Fame and, and those type of things. And so when you, when you talk to, about someone in, in that respect, then the microscope starts to get on, uh, beyond them in every aspect of the game. And I, I just think that uh, those type of talks are not warranted when you talk about him. I think that he's a great piece to the puzzle. He understands the offense. He's playing with two of the uh, top five greatest shooters in the history of the game. So now when you're making passes and plays out there, those guys are the recipients. So, you know, those things are elevated as well. So, uh, you know, I, you know, Draymond is who he is. You know, he's not going to give you much offensively. Um, you know, you, you're going to uh, – he's going to make his say on the defensive end and, and uh, you know, transition and getting those guys a, a great shot. I, I know, you know, look, I, I – I, Draymond Green has been a significant player for three championship teams. And that alone might be something that gets you into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And for what it's worth, Basketball Reference has this like formula they run, and they say they think it's about a 60% chance that Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer. But, boy, what you just alluded to, Walt, like how this this truly could impact his legacy. Like It's funny because everybody coming into the series is talking about Steph's legacy as if Steph needed anything else for his legacy, right? Like He's one of the most unbelievable <laughs> offensive forces we've ever seen. But on the flip side... Like, this really is starting to teeter into the territory of this is so bad that it might be, in 20 years, difficult to talk about Draymond Green without mentioning, but yeah, do you remember what happened to him? Like, you know, he if if they lose, you could argue he kind of cost them an NBA title at this point. Uh, I don't know if we go to that degree, but I, I just think that there are good pieces to championship teams. That doesn't mean that they are Hall of Famers. I hear you. And uh, so, so that's why I am with mine. Um, I, I think that when you talk about a lot of guys who who've been on teams where they've won, uh, you can kind of get crossed in those lines right there. And, you know, ultimately, I, I think when you talk about Hall of Famers, you know, you talk about guys who have gained and also uh, affect the, the outcomes of uh, whether you win or lose, and not just being a, a piece of it. Uh, a, piece, a part of the puzzle, so you know that that's how I I look at it. I hear things. you. So, uh, I hear you. Know. Would yeah. you? If, look, hey, we're talking with Walt Williams here in GCR. Steve Kerr clearly was limiting his minutes in Game Four, and I have no doubt would have a tight rope. It, would you at all think about just benching him altogether and just sort of saying, "Do like we'll go to you if we have to, but we don't want to <laughs> end up putting you on the floor and suddenly finding ourselves in a." You know, a 16-4 hole to start the game, something like that. Like, would you at all consider just benching him completely at this point? No, I, I think he, he the, the other things that he brings to the table, for instance, like I mentioned earlier, his understanding of the offense, I think that's to the degree where, you know, you see, you see Steph and Clay and Poole, those guys uh, uh, get um, easy opportunities or, or open looks. 
And, you know, uh, sometimes Draymond is the, the direct result of that. You know, he, sometimes he is out there and he's passing the ball and guys are not open when he's passing it. But by the time the ball gets there, they are open. And so that gives you like a half a second uh, of freedom. And that is huge in the NBA because guys are just, you know, they cover ground so quickly. Mm-hmm. So that element, he 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 allows his team to get uh, easier opportunities at times. And so it's not that's what I mean by it's not necessarily his impact, but uh, and what he can do uh, in terms of uh, uh, stats, but it's his impact in how he can create easy opportunities for his teammates at times. Walt, on the flip side of this, Boston, their size has been their biggest strength so far. I mean, they've won two games, and you know it's not as if Jason Tatum's been superhuman at any point during the course of the series. It's been way more about Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, um, their defense, their size advantage over the Warriors. As deflating as that had to be in Game 4, they're 7-0 and in these playoffs coming off of losses is there an argument that they really have proven to be the better team of the two and that, like, they kind of have an advantage now in a best-of-three series? Uh, I, I don't know if I lean that way. I, I mean, when I look at this series, I still believe that Golden State is the team to beat. They they are the one. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I think if they play well offensively, they're going to win the game. I think Boston has shown that uh, uh, they can have nights where they uh, they can um, uh, be lights out on the defensive end and cause problems uh, for the Warriors. And they don't have to be lights out offensively, but you know they do have to be able to put up points. And, and they've shown that the others, um, you know, it doesn't have to be Tatum taking over games. I've seen earlier in the playoff series, a couple of series that they they did need him to to uh, carry them and put him on his back but in in this series it hasn't it hasn't been that way the others um has been uh, uh making shots and and uh you know right now Tatum is receiving a lot of attention and and uh, I guess Steve Kerr's uh, uh strategy is hey let's see if these other guys can beat us and so right now they've done it twice uh out of four but it, it remains to be seen if they can do that four times so uh I think that Golden State is going to go into this uh, a game with the same mentality, get the ball out of Tatum's hand and see if these other guys can make shots and beat them. And I think that when you can do that, um, and then you 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 go on the other and you 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 uh, anticipate that Clay is going to be better offensively and Poole at some point is going to be better, or Wiggins, one of those guys, uh, being able to step up, and uh, and then that's when you'll see Golden State get it going. So I don't I don't necessarily okay. give Boston the advantage right now. I still lean towards Golden State, although Boston is a good team on the road though. So yeah. that remains to be seen. But I, I I still lean towards Golden State. Yeah, and they just haven't been. And they have. They're obviously they're really well coached, right? Like I mean, there is my God, what a what a brilliant move this ends up being for the Celtics. And it just seems like no individual game has been all that significant to them. Like, they have just proven, you know, despite these guys not being guys that have ever been champions before, they have not been hurt. There's been very little hangover effect from anything that's gone wrong for them during the course of these playoffs. Yeah, you you got to take your head off. I mean, great coaching job right there. You know, you look at uh, going towards the, the beginning part of the season, you you look at that and you, the way the Celtics started, right. you wouldn't, absolutely wouldn't think they would be here. So it was definitely adjustments made along the way. And typically teams take on the mentality of their coach. 
So the the being resilient and being able to come back and not um, get getting uh, um, swept by the moment, I think that's how the the, the coach is. That's his mentality, and uh, it's infectious throughout the team. Uh, Ime Adoka, he is uh, he's remarkable. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right, I know he hasn't been able to live up to the game one standard, but I'm pretty sure that uh, like y- you played against Al Horford, man. Like I, he's that old. Um, what? How cool is it for you to see him still contributing the way that he's contributing at this point in his career? Oh man, he's a heck of a player. You know, he's a great piece to the puzzle. Um, uh, on a defensive end, he's a guy who can uh, still get it done at a very high level. I think that when they when uh, when it's that pick and roll situation, he has to be better in uh, stepping up and not and not allowing um, uh, Steph to come off uh, those pick and rolls with a free free look. So he has to step up a little bit higher and, and uh, make Steph put it on the floor, going to the basket. But you know he's very intelligent out there. He's cerebral, and when you when you paying attention to that degree, you're able to help your teammates go to another level on, on a defense. I played with a guy, Rasheed uh, Wallace, and he was probably the best. Uh, that I played at that, you know, just being able to understand what's happening, uh, what, what play they're calling, what's about to happen on that play, and being able to talk your teammates through it. And so that's what Horford uh, brings to the table. Um, but then on the offensive end, he's a guy that, you know, can hit open shots, especially from the three-point line. So uh, he's a guy who can stretch the floor on the offensive end as well. So that's huge for, for the Celtic team, especially when Jason Tatum is being double-teamed like he is. Uh, and then I, before I let you go, Walt, I just wanted to get your early impressions of uh, Kevin Willard. And, you know, obviously he's, he's being quite aggressive when it comes to scheduling, right? Like bringing in UCLA to, to play in College Park this season when, you know, most people seem to think you need to give a team a little bit of time under a new coach in order to gel. Um, what, what, have you, what have you made of him? What are just your initial impressions of the new coach? Well, I, I don't know much about Coach, but, uh, you know, I've met him, and uh, he had a lot of enthusiasm. Um, I think that the assistant coaches that he, he brought on um, have ties to uh, the DMV area, so they should be able to consistently recruit here. I think we have the best high school players in the country, so if you can consistently recruit here on a year-to-year basis, I mean, you should put yourself in, in a good position. Um, I, I think that when you're talking about in terms of uh, the scheduling, I mean, in this environment, you, you just really just don't have time. Uh, you know, I think the excitement is you, you want to get the excitement going here uh, early on, especially uh, with the way that uh, the exit of uh, Coach Turgeon, how that all went down. So it's important to establish the excitement here and, and, and get the fans going. Um, you, I think that you have to schedule teams like that to, to get to that level. Um, especially, you know, you don't have a, a any, you know, Terps on that bench mm-hmm. as a as a coaching staff, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult to establish that relationship with the fans. Uh, so you you have to be able to consistently recruit. You have to have a, a exciting teams come in and have the potential of beating them. And so, you know, all of those things are a recipe for success. Clutchspirits.com. And I'm looking at it right now. You just pop in your address, and they'll tell you exactly where it is that you can find Clutch Vodka. Yeah. Uh, I am going to head over to uh, Shawan, and I'm going to get myself a bottle again for the purposes of education, for the purposes of inform- informing the people. I'm going to go do that myself. 
Walt please Williams. Drink, hey, please drink responsibly. Uh, no question about that. No <laughs> question at all. Hey, brother, congratulations, and always appreciate taking the time for us, man. Let's do it again soon, all right? All right, thanks for having me. Walt Williams, a legendary former Terp, Maryland uh, radio analyst, and now uh, a vodka man with Clutch Vodka. Uh, which is available just uh, like all over the Middle Atlantic. Like if you again go to that website, clutchspirits.com, you pop in your address, you're going to have no problem whatsoever. And if you're headed down to the beach, it's available uh, at a couple spots uh, on the Delaware beaches right now. So I like that. I don't actually know if I'm going to end up getting to the beach at all this summer because we're doing a we're doing a cruise in July. Um, and just be too much water for you. Well, I, 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 you know what? There is a part. I, you, you don't know this, Griffin, but I am. The worst part about a trip to the beach is the beach. Wow. Like the, I love the beach. The beach itself has to be there in order to make the trip work. But uh, the pool is a billion times better than the beach. And the reason I know that is because I don't end up having to pull sand out of my orifices for the next six days when I get in a pool. But when I go to the beach, I trape sand across the wherever it is that I'm staying. You spent you, you get to use that outside shower head and you're you spend twenty minutes. And then five minutes later you're still traipsing sand everywhere. And it's in your butt. And there's nothing it's in your you know, your grundle. Like it's everywhere. You're gonna find sand in places until you get home from the beach. So, I think I do remember now, like, when I first started working here, I do remember you not liking sand. I, you're you're kind of like Anakin it Skywalker. Sucks. No, no, no. It just sucks. And nobody wants to talk about it. We all just sort of, like, go along with it. It's the worst. I love trips to the beach. And what I actually do like is, um, like, at the end of the night, going back to the beach and walking on the beach and having a nice walk on the beach. But otherwise... Let me go to the pool. Uh, the pool's wonderful. I'd like for the pool to, to overlook the water. The pool, I, the pool doesn't challenge me while I'm swimming like the ocean does. Uh, and uh, by the way, there is a weird part. I love being in the water. I love that part of it. We, I, as a society, we have made so few advances. I've been told, like, you know, just cover your feet in baby powder or something like that. We've made so the 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 sand both sucks and wants to murder you because it's so hot. Oh, and the sun wants to murder you too. And people, like the people, my wife is one of the people that would literally spend eight hours just out of the, like would make no other plans, would just say, I'm going to wake up at 7 a.m., I'm going to go to the beach. At some point, I might walk back, get some food, but then I would prefer to go back to the beach at that point. Whereas I'm like, let's go ride some go-karts or something. I love resort towns. I love Ocean City because I'm, I'm... You know, I'm it's a mini golfing. I'm I'm very I am white trash all day. Like I will do all of these things. Yeah, go play some putt putt. Let's go get some uh, some thrashers. Let's do the whole kit and caboodle, right? Like I'm I'm all in. I like the beach. I just don't like the beach. But I still go every year, and um, I just don't know. I don't know that it's gonna happen this year. Got a lot going on. This radio show is really screwed with me. It's not like I can take a weekend and just duck down to the beach for the weekend. I'm thinking about maybe trying to duck down for a day of the um, the big OAR festival they're doing in September down on the beach. But that, I mean, that wouldn't be for the sake of going to the beach. It's late September at that point. Um, it would just be to go down for the week uh, for at least a night. 
and uh, maybe watch some Jimmy World because I love me some Jimmy World. But I don't know. I just don't know if it's going to happen. But if you are heading down to the beach, you can uh, get Walt Williams vodka in uh, Rehoboth. Yeah, or in, maybe uh, you'll enjoy it. Unlike Glenn. The, the beach or the vodka? I don't actually the funny part is I, don't, I don't drink either, but I would <laughs> it's not like a religious thing. I just don't really do it at some point. I say I don't drink. We've done drinking shows. I just don't I really I don't drink any longer, but I it's not a religious thing. I would be willing to under the right circumstances. Right. And I'd be willing to try a clutch vodka. I'd be willing to do that. All right. Um Paul checked in. Paul Belletier. Isn't this interesting? I woke up this morning to hear that Zeus came down from Mount Olympus and declared Baltimore to be the home of the Orioles forever. Talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is and sign a 40- or 50-year lease. As soon as his mother dies, I guarantee anything is on the table if he hasn't signed a guaranteed lease with the city. Paul, you're all over the place. Um, Let me address a couple of things. One, you don't sign a lease with the city. That's not a thing. The agreement is between the Orioles and the state. The Maryland Stadium Authority is the governing arm for the state of Maryland. You don't sign a lease with the city. Now, I am in agreement that I would like to see a lease get taken care of. I have reason to believe that what happened with the General Assembly passing the bill that allowed for up to $600 millions per per stadium, so $1.2 billion total, in borrowing for renovations was the final hurdle needed in order to get something done. But there might be agreements need to come. Hey, the team, the state, have to agree on how the money is going to be spent, what it's going to look like, and that would go into the lease. If you don't like John Angelus, you don't like John Angelus. If you don't like the Angelus family, you don't like the Angelus family. Until you're presenting me with something, it's even a cousin of fact. The conjecture is conjecture for the sake of conjecture. I have said all along, perhaps John Angelos is being deceptive. I don't have any reason to believe that. If you read my column day, I'll go, let's just go along with it for the sake of going along with it. This is not how a professional sports franchise moves. You're allowing whatever it is, your fear, your hate, whatever is inside of you to consume you. And you're no longer being reasonable. Sports franchises don't just get to move on their own whims. Because... I like another place better or my home's in that place now and so I want to be there. It does not work that way. Look at which franchises move. They're the franchises that are in untenable situations. The athletics could move. The Rays could move because you can't play in those facilities. They're untenable long-term. Camden Yards is not. The Baltimore market, small as it might be, is not. And small as it might be, you know what market it's still bigger than? Nashville. As much as Nashville is exciting and people want to go visit there and it's probably a more desirable location, it is a smaller media market. 
the professional sports franchises that move are the ones that don't have long-term facilities. This idea that anyone can just pick up and move a franchise is not backed up by fact. If you want to hate John Angelos for whatever reason, hate John Angelos. I don't Certainly no sweat off my ass. I don't care. I have been given no actual evidence at all whatsoever for why I should dislike John Angelos, for why I should think that John Angelos wants to move the team. I've heard conjecture, lots of conjecture. But even if it were true, this isn't how this works. There is no example of it. A franchise in a healthy, stable situation just moving because the owner likes another place better. And again, as I said before, someone might argue the Rams, the, the St. Louis could have created a healthier situation if given the opportunity to. It wasn't how you couldn't have continued to play in that dilapidated dome. But maybe with more time, more benefit, all of those things, and less of a rush, they could have come up with a solution to the problem. But there was a problem, and there's no problem here. There is a phenomenal facility. 30 years in, that's still as youthful as it was in 92. Remains a standard for the entirety of the sport. With $600 million coming to further improve it. You don't move franchises that are in those situations. You move franchises that can't stay at the place where they are. Feel however you want to feel about John Angelos or the Angelos family. And as I wrote today at PressBoxOnline.com, I have concerns related to the lawsuit. I hate that the lawsuit is lingering over the Orioles fan base. The fan base does not deserve this. But continuing to try to play these games about Nashville and he's going to move it and all of this crap is just that. Paul, the Oakland Raiders couldn't play at that facility any longer. It is a hellhole. You are making my point. The Oakland Coliseum floods. Possums come into the dugout. It is an untenable sports facility. They could not stay there. That's who moves. Those franchises move because you don't have a facility where you can continue to play and profit. That's why the athletics might very well end up moving. 
It's why Las Vegas keeps coming up. Because at some point, Major League Baseball is going to have to do something and say, this won't work any longer. And Tampa is a very similar situation. Baltimore is not. It is nothing like these situations. We're just doing this for whatever reason. Again, because we don't like the owner, because we are... We live in fear because we're still so hurt and and wrecked by what happened with the Colts all those years ago that we're incapable of seeing things clearly. These are not the circumstances by which a professional sports franchise moves. And you don't... Um, these leagues don't gift owners whatever it is they want for the sake of it if Nashville's that desirable it'll be equally as desirable to someone else to either solve one of baseball's own problems like Tampa or Oakland or for future expansion baseball does not need John Angelos to be the owner of a team in Nashville if they're so desire if they think Nashville is that desirous. In fact, there's a group in place in Nashville that wants to own a franchise there. I reached out to that group over the weekend and they confirmed to me they don't they have no interest in this. Yes, they want baseball in Nashville, but they want to own it. They want an expansion team in Nashville that they can own, and Dave Stewart, the former pitcher, can become a minority owner in baseball, the leader of the group. It wouldn't, you know, Dave Stewart's not that type of wealthy. He wouldn't be able to do it by himself, but he would lead this group, this coalition. We, we lose sight of reality because of our emotions, justified or not. We've been through a lot. Nobody is debating the fact that the Angelos family has been a failed leadership for the Baltimore Orioles on the whole. Good things that have come. But on the whole, the totality of the picture, it's been failed leadership. Now, how much of that is the responsibility of John Angelos? I don't know. Was it the intent, the lawsuit that needs to be solved, was it the intent of Peter Angelos for Lou to be a 50-50 partner in the future of the Baltimore Orioles? I mean, I don't know how many times things like that actually work. Somebody ultimately tends to have to be a decision maker. I, I just don't know. And Paul says he was referring to the first move in 92 when the Oakland Raiders moved to Los Angeles. So, one, he's going back 30 years, and that's fine. We can address that. 30 years ago, Los Angeles was a market that everyone wanted to be in, the same way that this time Los Angeles was the market that everyone wanted to be in, comparing Nashville in the desirability aspect to Los Angeles is insanity. I like Nashville, too. Major League Baseball isn't bending over backwards and giving up a great situation to make sure they get a team in Nashville. They've got the facility. There is not a facility. John Angelos can't walk in and say, well, you've got to give me a facility or I'm out of here. 
It's there. The money's already been committed. Everything's done. It's good. I don't know if John Angelos will be the owner of the Orioles long term. Most people seem to think he won't. But maybe he wants to be. Maybe he sees now, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking with Jeremy, that there are more revenue streams available. There is more of an opportunity to profit, overcome the inheritance tax, and, and have this be what he does for the rest of his life. Maybe. I don't know. I, I've talked to John a handful of times over the years. I haven't had a conversation recently with him. I'm going to guess probably won't be doing that right now. But maybe he really has decided he wants to fight this fight. And he wants to hold on to the Baltimore Orioles because he sees something here. He sees opportunity. Maybe he wants to move him to Nashville. I have no reason to think that's the case, but maybe he does. Let's just have that conversation. There's still no reason to believe it would happen. None at all. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Simply the Bets, which returns tomorrow. Do it every Tuesday at 11.40 a.m. Simply the Bets is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We'll try to get you ready for the rest of the week. We will, we, we will know after tonight that there's somebody's playing for a title on Thursday night in the NBA. The Stanley Cup Finals are now set. We'll talk about that much more tomorrow on Simply the Bets. All right, so I was torn between which direction I should go, but I think I'm going to go with the NBA one because we talked about it with Walt Williams and Draymond Green, how maybe this, like his poor performance is potentially tainting his legacy. Um, but so those three, that big three, the Golden State big three, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, all now have 19 uh, wins in the finals in their career. So that ties them for 12th all time. Well, not all time, but in the last 50 years it ties them for 12th with 19 wins. Ties them with Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Ron Harper, and Dennis Johnson. They also officially passed Steve Kerr, who has 18 oh, wins. How about in the that? Finals. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn, can you name the 11 individuals ahead of them for finals wins in the last 50 years? In the last 50 years, yeah. most finals wins. And you said the number was? They are at 19, 19 is 12. So, so Michael, obviously. Yes, Michael is tied for third. He is 24. And Scotty. 24 as well. Um, uh, Kobe. Yes, Kobe is tied for seventh with 23. So there's four guys with 24. There's four guys with 20. Three guys with 23 as well. Okay, so he'd actually be tied for fifth then. Tied for fifth. Uh, for some yeah, reason, my list says. Well, because he's technically, there's two guys. That have more than there's, 24. There's, okay, so there's two guys that are more than 24. He's technically seventh because there's four guys with 24 and then two guys that have more than 24. Okay, that's that's the part that I was missing. That was not, they have done that better. Um... Uh, he's in the other places. Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. No, not in. Yeah, not, I guess it's hard to remember. He's it. actually he is he is tenth. He's tied for tenth. Twenty two. Twenty two. Yes, he is twenty two. Because of course he was in Detroit before he was in Chicago. Um. How about I mean I, LeBron? Yep, there you go. He is also has twenty two. So he's tied with Rodman. If, if LeBron makes it again, he will surely jump up that list. Shaq. Shaq is not on That's here. That's no. a bit surprising. Yeah, that one is surprising. I mean, I know he played got for a lot of teams. Yeah. But I know he got swept in his first trip to the finals. But that's still a bit surprising. Yeah, he has less than eighteen. How does that? He was on three, so that would be four, six, four, eight, twelve, and then the four in Miami. And those are the only ones he ever won. I guess that's the case. I guess. No, he was on. How many did you say he had? 
Shaq has 17. 17. So they won the one when they lost the Pistons, they won one game in those finals. I guess that math does work. Yeah. Boy, that's that's that is wild. Good guess. Um, Just outside. And you, you said what was the time frame for this? Uh the last 50 years. So kind of like cutting off Bill Russell basically. Yeah. Okay. So, so Bill Russell has 45. <laughs> so Kareem. There you go. Number 2, Kareem. I think number one, number one's pretty surprising. Number one's pretty surprising. Kareem has 25. Uh, I was going to say Magic. There you go. He has 24, so he's tied with MJ and Scotty. And then there's one guy that's tied at third, one more guy that's also kind of surprising. Um, I guess I should say Derek Fisher. There you go. Yeah, Derek Fisher. He has 24 finals wins. But I'm still missing the top You're still one. missing the top guy. Tim Duncan also has 23. You missed him. He is tied tied with Kobe for 23. Well, I could have gotten that. Sorry, I shouldn't give it to you. I was thinking because also, and then Michael Cooper also has 23. You're just giving him now. Those ones I thought were. Okay. Would you have gotten Michael Cooper? Uh, I mean, I was starting to name. I don't know if you remember the Kareem. Like, I was naming those Lakers. So who's got, the guy that's got the most is the guy that I'm missing. Yes. Boy, I don't know. I don't know. Last fifty years. Yeah. Um I, I mean I assume he's gotta be from one of the teams that we've kind of covered already. Uh yeah, he is. Yes. Fifty He was on he's at, he's pretty much a journeyman. He was on just a lot of Robert good teams. Parrish. Close, but no. Robert Ori. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Robert Ori. Yeah. That started, does, that makes started all the with sense the Rockets in the, world. in the yeah, 90s. Makes all the sense. Then the, the Lakers. World. Don't know why I didn't say that. And the Spurs. Yeah, so he has 28. Yep. Yep. Makes the all most. the sense in the world that it would be Robert Ori. That makes sense. All right. Very good. Uh, Tubular brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook. The place to be tonight for game four, Thursday for game five. Reserve your spot. Email events at sportssocialmd.com. Dot com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. Orioles Blue Jays at 7 on Masson 2. Kyle Bradish, Alec Manoa, the pitching matchup. Alec Manoa has been dominant, been brilliant this season. It's unbelievable. Uh, Braves Nationals at 7 on Masson. The Bra- what is the Braves win streak at now, by the way? When 11, is- I think, That's yesterday. Right. Braves win streak is now. Yeah, it is 11. That's pretty crazy. Um, MLB Network, Astros, Rangers tonight at 8. As I mentioned, Game 5 in the finals, Celtics, Warriors tonight at 9 on ABC. Soccer all day on Fox Sports 2. Coming up uh, oh, right now, Azerbaijan and Belarus. I know you had a, a pretty thorough breakdown that you wanted to offer of that matchup, right? Uh, Yeah, tomorrow, after the game. Well, I was hoping to get a bet in. Oh, yeah. well, here, let me look at it real quick. Oh, stop Denmark and Austria at 245 in the UEFA Nations League. And the USA Network tonight for WWE, Monday Night Raw at 8. Non-sports? Non-sports, not a whole lot. Uh, let's see. Gentleman Jack, season 2 finale on HBO at 10. I have never haven't watched it, but, you know, it's HBO, so, you know, it's definitely going to be well done. Pete Davidson has a special out on Netflix. Drops today. Um, and then otherwise, American Ninja Warrior at 8 o'clock on NBC. And then Brian Cranston is going to be on Stephen Colbert tonight. Oh, is he? What's what's Brian Cranston plugging? He has. There's a new movie. Uh, it's gonna be out on Paramount Plus, I think, later this week with Annette Benning. Uh, I don't. I forget uh, what it's called. I don't know. Where, what is it called? Jerry and Marge go large. Oh yeah, yeah. There it is. Is that it? I think that's it. Yeah. 
I don't know what it's about, but I mean, Brian Cranston and Nat Benning. Oh, oh, I heard about this story. Oh, I actually am excited about this. So it's a story about um, there's this older older couple in Michigan that essentially figured out a loophole in the state lottery that if you purchased a certain number of tickets, you would make a profit no matter what. You would be guaranteed to hit enough pick threes and pick fours like I, I, oh my God! I saw a story about this. The guy talked about it. Uh, he did an interview with John Wertheim on sixty Minutes a couple years ago. Like he did the math. If you purchase this amount of lottery tickets, even if you didn't hit a bigger prize, you if you spent like eleven hundred dollars in lottery tickets, you would make nineteen hundred dollars in wow. pick three and pick four combinations. And so the math worked out that you just kept doing it, right? Like you kept. Wild. It was a wild story. So I actually am excited about oh, that's that. That's cool. Very cool. I like that so a lot. So it'll be on Colbert tonight. And that movie comes out uh, Friday. Friday? Yep. On uh, Paramount Plus, I think. I don't think Exclusively I'm on Paramount Plus. I'm not a Paramount Plus subscriber, but I might be willing to sign up for a little bit. Is there anything else on Paramount Paramount Plus that I need to watch? Uh, I know they did a couple South Park specials that were yeah, Paramount South Plus Park only. Special. And I did want to watch those, so maybe, maybe, maybe. There's like, maybe uh, I think Champions League was like on was yeah, on Paramount Plus. Well, that's, they did. That's over now. They so. did like some, but they didn't do the big matches on Paramount Plus. They did the big matches. That's right. Yeah, on, on CBS. Uh, CBS. Yep. All right. Very good. Thanks today to uh, all the survivors on Paramount Plus. Every single. It doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks also to Walt Williams and Kevin Van Valkenburg. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the <coughs> tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Again. Supposedly chatting with someone who could very well be the Orioles' number one pick in the MLB draft tomorrow. Supposedly, we'll find that out uh, with confirmation. Uh, Howard Bryant from ESPN. He's got a new uh, book out about Ricky Henderson, and he is slated to join us tomorrow. And stuff. And th- are we doing uh, Norfolk? Is that uh, uh potentially stuff? All and right. Things. All right. Very good. Thanks everybody. At Press box. All of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms. Great Eights memorabilia, the Charm City match, FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, your Baltimore Orioles, local Toyota dealers, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex. Ryan, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.